Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I had some friends come down the aisle and uh, pass out what's called a group expo card. This lets you know uh, all of the groups that are launching this semester here at Propel. And as of today, we are kicking off 18 brand new groups. So come on. That's exciting. Exciting. And the format of Group Expo is a little bit different. I'm going to teach uh, for about 30-ish minutes today, which is a little shorter. I said ish because uh, I might go a little over, but not too much. But uh, then we actually dismiss you early because we want to give you the opportunity to go find the perfect group for you. And so uh, it's gonna, you're going to be dismissed early today. Parents, you can leave your kids back in Propel Kids for a little while as you go and talk to group leaders and find the perfect group for you. I didn't say leave them forever, right? If you leave without them, we will call you. Um, but uh, we want to give you the space to be able to sign up and find the perfect group for you today. And so uh, at the end of the message, you're actually going to be dismissed. So the only other thing that we talk about kind of at the end of every experience is how you can partner with us financially if you want to do so. There's three ways you can do that here at Propel Church. You can do in person where you drop your gift in the boxes as you exit the auditorium, or you can do one of our digital giving options. Regardless of how you give, your generosity continues to pave the way for people to meet Jesus. And in just the first six years of our church, We've had the opportunity to see over 800 people make decisions for Jesus and baptize. Come on, that's exciting. And we baptized 367 people. And next week, we're going to baptize even more. And so we're excited for that because those are people who are going public with their faith in Jesus. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into God's Word if you're ready. Are you ready? Come on, let's pray. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for the opportunity to be here today, to worship you and to open up your word together. We pray that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Man, this week has been incredible. We, uh, we had a great night of worship on with our first Wednesday and we had a men's event on Friday. I had the opportunity to teach at those. And as I was looking at what to teach this weekend, I kind of, I drew a blank for a second because I teach on groups about four times a year. We've been doing this for six years, a little over that. And so I I get the opportunity to teach very similar content a lot of times during the year. So I was like, Lord, what am I going to teach for this group expo? And I had this thought while I was driving down the road and uh, it's not a super spiritual thought. It was what kind of friends would I want if I ended up in prison? Now I know... I know that you, maybe, maybe you have been to jail before, maybe you haven't, but there's a specific type of friend you want if you find yourself in prison. And I want to take you through a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 16 today, where we find two friends who end up in jail. And this is what the text says. It says that a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. And you thought you had a bad week, right? Like, this is, this is a pretty bad week for Paul and Silas. Yeah. So they're thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. 
So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. He clamped their feet with stocks. And it was around midnight that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, for some of you, you were like, if it's around midnight, it don't matter if I'm in prison or I'm at my house, I'm going to be sleeping in Jesus because you're one of those 8 o'clock bedtime people. How many people go to bed early in the house? Right? Y'all the ones that really love Jesus because everybody else, they stay up late. We like to wake up late too. That's where I'm at. So praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Paul and Silas have been doing exactly what God called them to do. They were out, they were serving the people, they were preaching and teaching, and some people got mad at them, and now they are beaten and thrown into prison. And when we look at the life of Paul and Silas, it's easy for you and I to go, we're not going to end up in prison. But prison is not just a literal prison. Now, I will say this. With the way that the world is progressing, there's a pretty good chance 10 years from now you and I are having a completely different conversation about our Christian faith. In fact, in most countries around the world, even speaking the name of Jesus is enough to get you thrown into prison. But here's the good news in all of that. A persecuted gospel is a thriving gospel. When people are persecuted for their faith, we see it time and time again that there is an advancement of God's kingdom. Some of that is just our own bent towards rebellion, right? We love to do what people tell us we can't do. So maybe one of the most beneficial things for the church would actually be to experience some persecution for the faith that we claim to hold so dearly but seem to discard when people push back against it. But Paul and Silas have done nothing wrong. They end up in prison. I found in my own life that sometimes you can be doing everything that God called you to and still end up in a prison. You may feel like this prison is your job, where God told you to be in this job and you're working it, but you feel like, man, this is as close to jail as you're ever going to get. <laughs> you don't even get a lunch break, right? Like, for others of you, this prison is in the area of a sin issue or an addiction, or you've been trying to overcome it and get out, but you just feel like the walls consistently close in and there's nothing that you can do to escape. For others of you, uh, there, there could be a plethora of things that you would deem prison-like. But what I've learned in my own life is there's a specific group of friends you need when you feel like you're in prison. And so when we read in the text, the first thing that Paul and Silas are doing around midnight is that Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God, and there are other people who are listening. Now, one thing, this is not really in my notes, but I want to make sure you and I know, people are watching how you as a follower of Jesus responds to the hardships of life. The moment you say, hey, I'm following Jesus, I love Jesus, I go to this church or that church, the moment you make those claims, people are watching your every move. They're watching how you act, they're watching how you respond and how you dictate. And so when they see Paul and Silas singing, they're taking note that this is how those people who claim to follow Jesus are acting. So the first kind of friend I think you need if you find yourself in hopefully a metaphorical prison, you need friends who worship when most people worry. You need friends who worship when most worry. See, if I was in this 
jail cell with Paul, I got to be honest, sometimes my natural bent is to get a little bit freaked out and to worry. I know none of y'all struggle with that. None of you have a single care in the world. You're the most laid back people, right? You never worry about anything. But if I was in jail with Paul, I'd be going, Paul, how are we going to get out, right? I watched this movie this one time, and uh, there was a prison break. I think we could do it. We need a couple hours and some bobby pins, right? But, Paul, we, we got this. What, what are we going to do? Paul, I, Paul I, I didn't have the opportunity to call my wife and tell her we were going to end up in jail today, Paul. So, so I, I'm freaking out about, but what about my work? And, and I got a dog at the house, you know, and so I start worrying about all of these things. But here's what I've learned about worry. Worry is actually just worshiping the problem instead of the God who is bigger than the problem. Worry is misguided worship. It's where we spend all of our time and energy because worship is to show love or affection to something. When we worry, we're just giving our love, our affection, and our attention to something that is not worthy of it. We are worshiping the problem rather than the one who is bigger than the problem. Worry is something that doesn't help you and I in our faith journey at all because I'll tell you, I have never grown stronger in my faith through worry, but I have grown stronger in my faith through worship. Worship is when we declare in the midst of the most traumatic and problematic situations that God is bigger than what we're facing. That's the power and the beauty of what we do on Sunday. Hey, I know you probably came in this week and maybe you had a great week. Maybe you had a horrible week. Can I tell you some good news? Regardless of how your week was, God is still worthy of praise. Regardless of if you had the best week of your life or the worst week, God didn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the beauty of worship is that it's not about how I feel. It's about who God is. So I can come in and I can sing and declare that, yes, I will praise God in the highs and in the lows because it's not about how I'm doing. It's all about who he is. And when you surround yourself with those kinds of people, you're going to have a thriving relationship with God. You don't need more friends who are going to lead you to a place where you're filled with worries. You ever have that? Some of y'all have that friend right now that you know if you had a problem, you're not calling them because they're going to make you more stressed out. You're like, hey, I got this going on and that going on, and what do you think? And they're like, you should probably be freaking out about that, right? You don't need that kind of friend. You need somebody who's going, yeah, I know that's what is going on right now in your life, but do you know that God is bigger than what you're facing? Do you know that God has not brought you this far to drop you now? There are people who push you to worship, who say, hey, when's the last time? I know you're struggling and I know you're stressed out, but have you spent time with Jesus lately? Because if you'll get into God's presence, you'll begin to see that your problem is nowhere near as big as your Savior. You've just got your focus on the wrong thing. Because worry is oftentimes a perspective problem too. You've just let yourself get so close to it that it became the biggest thing you could see. But God is bigger than what you're facing. You need friends who are going to worship when most worry. Turn to somebody and say, I need a friend that worships. Oh, you did not do very well with that. So that's okay. That's okay. Because there's a person you neglected. You can turn to that person you neglected and say, I need friends who worship. 
Come on. See, worship just feeds our spirit while worry feeds our flesh. And you need those kind of people in your life. We'll keep reading in the text to figure out what happens. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I just want to hit pause here for a moment because sometimes we underestimate the value of what worship does. Worship has the ability to not just break chains and shackles off of you, but it also has the ability to break chains and shackles off of other people. Because when we worship, we're declaring God is bigger than what we're facing. And sometimes that's all the encouragement of faith people need to keep going. So don't underestimate the power of coming in despite your week, despite your circumstance or your situation, and keep declaring how good God is. So these chains broke off the prisoners, and the jailer woke up to see that the prison doors were opened. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. When we read through the text and see Paul and Silas were wrongfully accused, they were beaten, they were shackled, they were thrown into prison, they start worshiping God, and all of a sudden, the foundations of this prison start shaking Chains start breaking off. Shackles are falling off. This is awesome. It's like this is, this is what we dream of when we worship. So they're in this moment, and all of a sudden, the door to the prison pops open. Now, I know you probably ain't never been to jail, but if you have been to jail, here's what you know. If you're praying, and all of a sudden the door opens, and then the wall is clear, and you see a way out, you see an escape, you go, this is from God. I think I'm, po- I'm supposed to flee prison now. You know, like I'm, I think I'm supposed to run. I think I'm supposed to get out. But Paul and Silas didn't just run immediately. Sometimes, if you go back to the garden, I only got 15 minutes, so I don't have time to teach all this, but I'm going to hit it real quick. If you go back to the garden in Genesis, there's two trees it's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes, we walk through a door that looks good, but it's not God. So I think it'd be tempting for Paul and Silas to say, hey, these doors flew open. The walls are down. We can escape from prison right now. But if they do that, what happens to this jailer is his life is over. He let the prisoners escape. He did the thing that his commanding officer told him not to, and they would kill him immediately. So what Paul and Silas were doing is rather than running from the problem, they looked toward a solution, which is God. And so I've learned this about my friends. I need friends who are going to worship when other people worry, but I also need friends who look for encounters more than escapes. I need friends who look for encounters more than escapes. I need people who are going to look. We can go to that next point. That we need people in our lives who aren't just always running from something, but are running towards someone. And that person is Jesus. See, if we live our lives just looking for the next escape, looking for the next way out, looking for something that we need to get away from, we are going to miss 
how God is working in the midst of the mess and the rubble. I've found oftentimes that God works best in your mess because he does a really good job of turning a mess into a message. If we could quit looking at ways to get out, we live for escapes. I was talking to uh, somebody the other week and they're like, I can't wait to go on vacation. But did you ever realize that your vacation was never enough? Because what if God didn't want you to just get away from something? But what if he wanted to encounter you in the midst of your anxiety and frustration in your work? Like what if your answer wasn't just to go away, but what if it was to let God work in? And what Paul and Silas model for us is they're not trying to just get away from the jail. They're trying to look for how God is working in the here and now. And I've learned for me, I need those kind of people in my life because there's going to be times where I feel like throwing in the towel and quitting. I know you think pastors love, well, we do love Jesus, right? Like, so that's accurate. But you may be tempted to think that pastors never struggle. They never go through hardships. There's been a couple times in the life of this church where I felt like throwing in the towel and quitting. And I've got some people in my life. One of those is a friend of mine. His name is Pastor Brian. And I call Pastor Brian and he's, he always laughs because he had never answered the phone when I call, but I leave him these voicemails. And the voicemail goes a little something like this. Pastor Brian, I'm mad at the world. No one loves Jesus. I just, I think I'm going to quit. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like, it's one of those. It's raw. It's real. It's just full of all of this frustration that I have. And every time he calls me back, he says, hey, you know God called you. You, you know he's done so many things. You, you know that his promise still stands. You know, you need friends who are not just going to agree with you when, when you go, hey, you know what, my marriage is really difficult right now. You need to quit surrounding yourself with people who just go, yeah, it's difficult. You know, you should just find somebody else. You need some friends in your life who are going to go, hey, I know it's difficult, but you signed up for a covenant. This is going to be hard at times. It's going to be challenging, but you need to find those kind of people who are going to challenge you to push through and Keep seeing God in the middle of that frustration. You with me, 1030? Come on. We need people who are going to push us to see God move in the middle of the most difficult circumstances. Because who you surround yourself with is going to dictate whether or not you keep going in the plans that God has for you or you try and just find a way out. So you need friends who are going to worship more than worry. You need friends who are going to look for encounters with God rather than escapes. And uh, we'll keep reading the text, and I'll give you one more thing. It says this, Then he brought them out, and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the jailer talking. Now, Paul and Silas were in prison. They were shackled and chained up. They had no position of authority or influence over this prison guard until the prison guard saw how they acted and responded in a way that was different than everybody else. I think that the lost and broken world that we live in is just waiting for Christians to look different than the rest of the world. The reason why people get mad at Christianity is is because you got people who come to church every week but don't look any different than everybody else. They don't treat people different. They don't love different. They don't serve different. They don't tip well. Come on. Right? Like, right? Which I'm just, this is, if you're looking for Propel Church principles, tip your server well. Period. 
I talk to people all the time who work on Sundays, and they say, oh, I don't go to church. Well, why do you not go to church? Well, because, you know, Christians, they're the worst people when it comes to tipping and generosity, and they go to church, and they praise Jesus, and then they come, and they cuss you out at Buddy's place. You know, like that's, we should probably live different than that. Some of us even tip conditionally, like, oh, if you perform well, then I'll tip you well. When's the last time God gave you what you deserved? You got to be generous. Be generous. I don't have time for these soapboxes. Let's, <laughs> let's stay on. Let's stay on. See, here, I, just, I didn't realize I just said that out loud. I thought I was talking to myself in my <laughs> head. And then you laughed, and I was like, what are they laughing at? And like, oh, you verbally processed. Cool, 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 cool. So then he replied, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everybody in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his house. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. He washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. So what we see in this journey is the jailer comes to Paul and Silas, says, what do I need to do to be saved? He doesn't give him a 10-step process. He gives him a very simplistic thing to do. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to believe that Jesus died as the payment of your sins. And when you do that, he did that. And the people in his household responded with that same decision. And after that, they immediately got baptized. If you're listening to this and you have said yes to Jesus but have not been baptized... Next week, you need to take that decision and go public with your faith. It's so important for every follower of Jesus because your faith was never designed to be private. It was designed to be public. So people say, oh, well, I have a private relationship with God. It's just between me and the Lord. You ain't done a great job of reading your Bible. Because what happens is when we look at God's word, it says that you are a lamp. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Your light was designed to be on display for every person to see. Your faith was meant to be made public. And the way we make our faith public is through baptism. So next week you have the opportunity to take that next step. You can do that. However, he told you to do it earlier, but if you got that connect card, you can also check the box. It says something about baptism. It says then he brought them into his house and he set a meal before them and he and his entire house rejoiced. They all believed in God. And the next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let these men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. And I think what's really cool about this story is that if Paul and Silas would have just ran when the prison doors flew open, they wouldn't have left in peace. They would have left consistently looking over their shoulder going, when are they going to catch us? When is this going to come back to get me? Hey, I know we got out, but when are we going back in? And it would have been like that for the rest of their life. But because they didn't run and they stayed and they chose to be faithful to do what God called them to do, even when things got difficult and things got messy, they ended up with peace. And that's what you and I operate in when we do what God has called us to do and we don't just run from things. And so the third kind of people I think you need in your life are you need friends who leverage their life to help people meet Jesus. Three types of friends. You need people 
who are going to worship when other people worry. You need friends who are going to look for encounters more than escapes. You need to look for people who are going to leverage their lives to help people meet Jesus. And when we talk about this, this is where biblical community and friends are so important because God designed you to be connected with people who are moving forward in the same direction. That's why when Paul is teaching about even even marriage, he says it's not a good idea for for un, for believers to marry unbelievers. Why? Because you're moving in two different directions. You're unequally yoked. You need friends who are going to be moving in the same direction as you're moving. And for some of you, that means you've made a new decision to give your life to Jesus, and you're going to probably have to make some new friends along the way. For teenagers, I would tell you this. uh, I could look at the biggest mistakes of my life and trace them back to the people I hung out with. Now, I, I know your parents have told you the same thing, and you think they're crazy, but I'm telling you it's true. Your friends determine the direction of your life, and you need friends who are going to leverage their lives to help people meet Jesus. That's what Paul and Silas did. And leveraging your life to help people meet Jesus doesn't mean you have to be weird. And Christians do a good job of being really weird sometimes, right? Like you've met those people. I was having a conversation with a guy a couple weeks ago, and he was like, I kept asking him to hang out, and he kept dodging me. And I was like, dude, like what? What's the deal? If you don't want to hang out, just say it. He was like, no, but I can't hang out because I don't know that much about Jesus. And all Christians do is they, they, like, they talk about Jesus. I was like, you ain't ever hung out with a Christian who like talks about you know, hunting or guns or fishing or like anything else? He was like, you guys can do that? <laughs> yeah. We even play fantasy football. Come on in Jesus' name. You know, like, <laughs> right, like. It, 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 what, what leveraging your life looks like is taking everything you do and just saying, how can I help me, people meet Jesus through it? And sometimes the best way you help people meet Jesus is through how you act and respond to the hardships in life. It's just letting them into the difficult things and the hard things. For some of us in here, you need those kind of friends, and we're going to give you the opportunity to do that in a second. But for others of you, Your next step today looks just like the next step of that jailer. It looks like making the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And the message that Paul and Silas got to preach to the jailer is that the bondage and the captivity of sin can be broken as soon as you surrender your life to Christ. And if you want to make that decision today, there's a prayer that we walk people through every single week here at Propel Church. It, it goes like this. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I mean, that's, it goes like that every week. And then we do it that way every single week for a couple of reasons. One, we want to make sure if you have the opportunity to lead a friend or family member to Jesus, you know how to do it because you show up to church every week and you say it at least 52 times a year. Because right. <laughs> you show up to church every week, right? I, even if you only come 50%, right? That's, oh, 26 times. Come on. Yeah. Whew. If you're new, you don't know how bad at math I really am. That was a big step. So... But here's what we know. Like, like, honestly, we could talk about groups. We could talk about friends and stuff all day. If you don't know Jesus, that's the first step, period. 
And if you want to make that decision today, we give you on that connect card you got. It, it says, give my life to Jesus. Or if you need to talk to somebody about that, find somebody on our team. We would love to walk you through that. It makes a really big difference. But the next thing for a lot of us to do is to take that next step and plug into biblical community. And that's why we have groups. Propel groups provide the way for you and I, or provide the opportunity for you to connect to biblical community. We do this three times a year. It's a, just a group kickoff. I talk about friends and groups and being in community, why it's important, why it's God's design. And, and for some of you, like I know uh, after uh, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, Pastor, every time I show up, we're doing this thing where we're talking about groups. It's like, well, first of all, that means you haven't shown up in like 12 weeks. But second of all, <laughs> second of all, that probably means God really wants you to be a part of biblical community because every time you're here, he's talking to you about the same thing. We talk about this all the time because it's so important for you and I to build relationships with other people who are trying to grow in their faith. And so our goal as a church is to make it as easy and as simple as we can for you to take that next step to connect in biblical community. And so we have 18 different options for you. That's what's on this card. Is there 18 different ways or places? There's times and dates and locations. We do this so that you can have an easy on-ramp to get connected. And what I'm asking you to do as the pastor of the church is I'm asking you to give me 12 weeks and pick one of these. For some of you, you're going to be a little overambitious and you're going to pick seven. That's cool. Don't have any problem with that. I'd love for you to at least commit to one. And you say, well, pastor, what happens if I get involved in one of these groups and I end up with weird people? That's a, there's a high probability that happens, right? Because <laughs> one out of every five people are weird. And if you can't figure out which one it is, it's you. That's just how it works. Worst case scenario, you do it 12 times. And then you'll break for a couple weeks and there will be another semester and you'll have the opportunity to do it all over again. There's a group of people in this church for you. Right. You just have to do the work to find it. Yeah. Because I can't help you make friends, but I can facilitate the opportunity for you to do that. And that's what Propel Groups provide. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk through this list for a second and give you some really practicals, but I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our group leaders. And so uh, they're going to be out. So the way Group Expo works, like the ending of this morning, uh, all of our, when you walked in, you saw like it looked like the Red Sea was outside, you know, something. There was a part in the middle. There were tables on both sides. Uh, all of our group leaders are going to be outside ready to answer questions that you might have or talk with you. Parents, you can uh, leave your kids and propel kids for a little bit so that you have the ability. But if you want to sign up for a group today, here's how you can do it. There's going to be a slide on the screen, and there's actually a QR code that's up there. Can we get that slide up? Awesome. So if you're not familiar with QR codes, they were teaching me this this morning because I held my phone up to it and I went to scan it and it didn't work. You might have to do, you might have to zoom in. So you like, you know, pinch and lift. And that's the sound effect that it makes when you zoom. But then that link will work and it gives you access to sign up for a group today. But every one of these groups uh, involve four things, encouragement, scripture, prayer, 
and next steps. We call it ESPN. Right? So encouragement, when you get plugged into a group, the goal is that you leave with your spirit lifted. Come on, you get beat down enough in this world, you need a place of encouragement on a consistent basis. You need scripture. So every group, no matter what they're doing, has a scriptural component or a, a devotion that goes with that week that helps you continue to grow in your faith. Prayer, if you want to know that you're being consistently prayed over in our church, groups provides that. Your group leader is praying over you. We are praying over you in that. And also, next steps. And so maybe you don't know what your next step is, but you feel stuck in your faith. Your group leader is there. We've given them training to help you figure out what that next step is for you to take over the course of the next 12 weeks. And so on this group expo paper that you're looking at, if you're online, it's at propel.church slash groups. As we look at this, um, there are a plethora of different options. So there's study groups. These are color-coordinated as well. We call those hubs. But there's divorce care, the chosen. There's mental health, leverage your life, prayer and worship, financial peace. If you're looking to get your finances in order, come on. Some of us need it. It is what it is. Financial peace is going to be a great one for you to walk through. There's a completely online one called the Power of Knowledge. There's some women's only groups, which means only women for those groups. Come on. So breakfast club, Bible journaling, those are going to be awesome. Students, uh, if you're in the 6th through the 12th grade, our student ministry meets on Wednesday nights. That's what that is. And We'd love to get you connected, but parents, we'd love to partner with you in helping your students grow in their relationship with Jesus. If you're wondering what freedom is, um, it is something we recommend every single person in our church goes through. It's a 12-week curriculum that helps you settle your yesterdays so that you can walk into tomorrow. For some of you, you've been through it once. You may need to go through it two, three times. Uh, I've taught it seven times, and I learn something new every single time I go through it. Super valuable. There's one uh, men's group that meets on Mondays, but then there's two women's groups, one on Monday and one on Thursday. There's some men-only groups, and those are The Way to Win. It's a book. And then there's a men's project and breakfast. So come on, men. There's a breakfast for you as well. And then there's some hangout groups, Elevate the Experience with Darren, uh, Lightsabers 101. Here's what I love about that. You'll notice these hangout groups are really just passion-based. It's one of those things that we talked about earlier of leveraging your life. And that's what we love to do with our group leaders is we love to say, hey, if there's something you love to do, if there's something you're passionate about, let's help you leverage it to help more people grow in their faith and meet Jesus. And then there's a roaring 20s. Regardless of what group you get plugged into, here's my challenge. Find a group. Give me 12 weeks because you may be one decision away from your life changing forever just by getting connected to other people who are moving in the same direction as you. And so when you leave today, they're outside. They're ready to talk. They're ready to answer your questions. Next week is Baptism Sunday. And then the week after that, Man, we're kicking off a brand new series called Don't Take the Bait, and I can't wait to teach it. So let me pray for us, and then you're going to be free to go for the morning. Hey, God, we love you so much, and we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, we pray right now that you would open our eyes and our hearts 
to whatever group you would have us be a part of. Give us wisdom, insight, and clarity. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.